Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Chapter 16 of Exodus is a chapter, in one sense, of miracles. Two great miracles, in fact. First, the Lord sent thousands and thousands of quail in the wind to his people for a meal of flesh. The other miracle was that on the following day, the people awoke to find the ground covered with small round wafers called manna, bread from heaven, that would miraculously feed his people for 40 years. One way to study this passage is to examine the miracles that God wrought and marvel at his great power to do such miracles. Another way is to see the divine revelation of the scriptures in the way of life. And joining us to add his comments is Dick Taylor. Welcome once again to the program, Dick. Thanks, Brother Chris. Good to be in this chapter 16 with actually the greatest miracle of all. It really is. For 400 years, Dick, God's people lived in Egypt and understandably, They really became Egyptian in their constitution and particularly in their diet. But once God brought them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, he was very definite. They could not continue the Egyptian life. What was his wise way, Dick, of reconstituting them? His wise way of reconstituting them was changing their diet. Dietitians say, you are what you eat. So they're just used to nothing but Egyptian, that is, worldly food. So God's wise way is for 40 years to change their diet, to make them a heavenly people, to be a testimony to him, the heavenly God. This is his wise way. Well, Dick, let's join Witness Lee with this incredible look at chapter 16 in the book of Exodus. Let me say this. Even we haven't finished the whole book, we could see by what we have seen that in God's salvation, Two things are crucial. Number one, God wants to be everything to his children people. He wants, firstly, to be everything to you and me. The number two, as he wants to be everything to us, he doesn't want us to do anything. He will do everything. And he has done so much. But listen, you must pay your full attention to this one point. I doubt whether the many readers of Exodus had ever paid their full attention to chapter 16. You have to realize chapter 16 in Exodus is greater than chapter 14. And then chapter 12. You know, in chapter 12, you have the Passover. In chapter 14, you have the Exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea. Now, in chapter 16, what do you have? Well, you may say, well, just the eating of manna. That's good. But do you realize what is the significance of the eating of manna? This signifies 
Now, God's people have come to a point that they have to begin to be a heavenly people. To be people with a nature absolutely transformed. I do believe 40 years. Every morning, every day, they ate manna. Then what is manna? Manna is a food that makes people heavenly. It can heavenly food making people heavenly. You are what you eat. Why God did this? God indicated. You children of Israel have to realize from today, I am going to change your nature. I am going to change your being. I have changed your place. You were there in Egypt. Now you are here with me in the wilderness, a place of separation. I have changed your place, but that is not sufficient. I like to have something changed inwardly, subjectively. I like to have your nature, your life changed. By what way I can change your life? By the way of eating. You, thus far, are a composition of all the Egyptian diet. You were composed there with the Egyptian elements. You are my people, Israel, yet you are a composition of the world. By what we to change this? By another diet. Not only no more from Egypt, I will feed you with the things from heaven. I will make you a composition of the heavenly things. I will fill you. I will saturate you. I will satisfy you with food from the heavens. Making you just heavenly people. Dick, readers of the Bible for centuries have appreciated this book of Exodus, and particularly the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea. These two things stand out as landmark portions, not just of Exodus, but probably of the whole Bible. But we've just heard that chapter 16, the chapter on the eating of the manna, the change of the diet, should be considered on the same level or even on a higher level. Dick, why should this chapter and what it reveals be considered on the same or higher level? With these two chapters, 12 and 14, we see some wonderful events with the Passover and the Exodus. But we still haven't gotten to the heart of God, that is God's deep intention and desire. And that is to gain a people who are really his expression and who represent him on this earth. This is why chapter 16 is a landmark chapter, even higher than these other two. In a sense, when we look at the Passover, and we look at the uh, Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea, we see some great miracles. The result of these miracles is only a relocation of God's people. They've only changed place. They have not changed in constitution or in nature. What God needs is an expression. His people have been constituted because of living in Egypt with an Egyptian or a worldly constitution. How can worldly people express the heavenly and holy God? These people need to be reconstituted. So this chapter 16 is on a higher level because here God begins by giving them the heavenly manna as their diet 
to reconstitute them, to make them heavenly people on earth. Just like in the book of Hebrews, we're living on this earth as Christians. And Christ today is the heavenly Christ. He's there as the Lord in the heavens on the throne, yet he's here as the wonderful spirit right within our spirit. And day by day, he wants to dispense himself into us and nourish us with himself as the heavenly manna, that we could be sustained by him on this earth in the midst of the world to be a testimony to him, the heavenly God. We're here to be the Lord's testimony. God's desire for his people Israel is that they would be his testimony. They could never be in Egypt. So first of all, there's a need for change of location. But still, there's a big problem. Their constitution and their nature is still Egyptian and worldly. They need another constitution, another nature, heavenly. So God feeds them with a heavenly bread called manna. God's desire is always with life. He wants to get into us, to be enjoyed by us, and to transform us by himself as the divine life, to make us the same as him in life and nature so we can express him and represent him. At the end of John 2, for example, where the Lord had changed the water into wine, says many people were following him because of the miracles that they saw him do. But their nature was not at all changed. So the sentence ushering us into chapter 3 says, But there was a man called Nicodemus. And when you study Nicodemus's case, you realize here is a person who by regeneration received the divine life, that is the spirit, into his spirit. And this is the greatest miracle of all. God himself in Christ as the spirit coming into us to be our life to regenerate us, to change our constitution, to change our nature, to make us heavenly people. The greatest miracle of all is that God could get into us as life and he could nourish us with himself as the life supply to make us the genuinely heavenly people on this earth. Dick, I think it was Ed Marks that remarked, and I thought this was a very good summary of what you just were saying, and that is it took the Passover and the Red Sea to get the people out of Egypt but it took the change of the diet to get Egypt out of the people. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Let's go on to see how God delves his people in this respect. After reading this chapter, you would say, God was testing children of Israel. God didn't send in food on time. And God did this purposely. The children of Israel got tested. You would say the children of Israel didn't have faith. They complained. So God rebuked them. And God showed something to them. And then God sent them the quails. And then the manna. And so forth. But if you have the spiritual vision. You will see. This chapter shows us what? Shows us the redeemed people of God still lagged to live a natural life. But God's intention uh, was that they should live a heavenly life. The redeemed people of God, they still wanted to live a life the same as they had 
in Egypt. The mansion, it was gold in Egypt. We were sitting there by the fresh pot. But God's intention was that no more food from Egypt. You have to live another life. You have to live not an Egyptian life, but a heavenly life. Forget about the Egyptian diet. Never give you another diet. It's altogether different from any humankind people. It's altogether since the history of Adam up to now. No one has ever eaten this kind of heavenly food. My point of is, if the children of Israel didn't learn something at Pebron, and this may happen again and again and again, but just by one lesson, at Tebra, the children of Israel were disciplined, were impressed not to go back to the old Egyptian dead again until one year later. And that was in chapter 11 of Numbers. There it was one year later. But let me tell you, after that discipline, there one year later, over 38 years, they had no problem with the heavenly diet. They learned the lesson. God was surely a good father to them. Just by one discipline, they learned something. After you and I have been saved, just forget about the world. Forget about Egypt. Don't lust after anything Egyptian. Don't lust after anything worldly. No. You have to realize the very God who has saved you is real, is living, is purposeful, and is faithful. He will take care of all your need. You don't need to lust after anything worldly like the worldlings. You are no more worldly people. You are God's children people. God led to have you to live a heavenly life. No more quails. No more meat, Lord. I don't want it. Dick, this is interesting and was quite new to me this time in this life study of Exodus. There are two separate occasions where the Lord sent quail to the children of Israel. First time in this chapter we're talking about today, Exodus 16. In the evening, he sends quail to the murmuring people, but then that was followed the next morning by the first appearance of the manna. Then, as Witness Lee pointed out, a year or so later, as recorded in Numbers chapter 11, again they're murmuring over exactly the same thing. And again, the Lord sends quail. Only this time, the quail come as a plague to this disgruntled people. Dick, what does all of this represent to the Israelites and to us? This represents the fact that our natural desire and taste is still for the world. We need to receive Christ as the heavenly manna. Otherwise, we just still lust for the things of the flesh. We can never be God's heavenly people without receiving him as the heavenly manna and being reconstituted. And we need to also see the warning here that sometimes in our desire for the worldly things, God may give you what you ask for, but even to the point where it's a plague, where you have the flesh between your teeth and even coming out of your nostrils. This is a painful scene. But the Lord was training them. Don't ask for this stuff. You don't need to lust for the Egyptian and worldly food anymore. 
Just be content with what I give you of myself. Be content with the manna. I'll transform you. I'll reconstitute you. I'll change your nature. I'll make you a heavenly people. We just need to be joyfully, praisingly receiving what God gives us. God's salvation is to be everything to us and to do everything for us. In Philippians, the word salvation is mentioned many times. It says, for I know that for me this shall turn out to salvation. And in chapter 2, it says, work out your own salvation. And there are other verses in Philippians that mention the word salvation. But in chapter 2, it says, do all things without murmuring and reasoning. Paul was a person in Philippians, you realize, who was just content with whatever circumstances he was in. If the Lord gave something, he was happy. If the Lord took it away, he was still praising. One of the main themes in the book of Philippians was to rejoice in the Lord. This was a key factor of living Christ and magnifying Christ under all kinds of circumstances. The children of Israel found themselves in a state of want. God's desire was to train them to just rejoice in me, to praise me, because I will take good care of you. My salvation is to be everything to you and to do everything for you. Well, Dick, we're going to see in this coming section that the murmuring, as you said, indicated still a desire for the natural fleshy things, but it's also symptomatic of another condition, and that's really the focus of this final section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Don't you believe when they came to Tabra, there was no food there? Don't you believe that God knew this? If they had faith, they would say one to another, just let us rest. Let us rest. Our Father, He knows our needs. We don't need to complain. We don't need to murmur. We have the trust. We have the rest. And God knows. In the past 40 days, haven't we seen all the things God did for us? He did everything. He did everything for us. He defeated the Egyptians. He dealt with Pharaoh. And he slayed all the firstborn of the Egyptians. And he brought us through the Red Sea. And he supplied us with every need. We all have to see their saints. God's salvation means God is going to be everything to us. So he is going to do everything for us. He is real, he is living, he is faithful, and he is purposeful. He has purpose to save us. It doesn't mean we beg him. Then he had mercy upon us. Then he rescued us. Not like that. He has a purpose. He is working on us, and he knows all our need. All our need. If we do know him, and we know his way, I tell you, when we come to Tabra, lacking of food, we will not complain. We will not murmur. We will say, praise him. He knows every need. Don't you believe? If the children of Israel were like these, quails would never come. God would not send quails. God would just, I do believe, early in the morning, send man. To feed you with a purpose to change your composition. To have 
uh, metabolic feeding to carry out all the Egyptian element and to replace it with heavenly things. As redeemed people of God, we must not lust after anything worldly. We have to realize our God is real, is living, is purposeful, is faithful. He has saved us with a purpose. Surely he will be our shepherd, leading us on in his own way. We don't need to worry. We don't need to lust after anything. He knows all our need, and he will send our need at the right time, according to the heavenly diet. The more we enjoy what he sent us, the more we will become heavenly. You see, we would not lust after anything Egyptian anymore. We will not remember how we were there eating by the fresh pot, eating the fish from the nail, and so forth. We will forget about all this. We'll be happy. We'll be satisfied with the heavenly diet. We enjoy all his heavenly supply that we would be made fully heavenly. We are living on these words, walking in the wilderness, yet we are heavenly people because we eat the heavenly diet. Dick, this entire episode of the Lord dealing with his people and their murmuring is very, very meaningful. It seems that the real issue here is how much do his people really trust in him to meet their every need? What is the way for us, Dick, when we are prone or inclined to murmur and lust after the things of the world as Israel did? I would say one of the main things is for us to realize the main thought here is that God's desire is to be everything to us and to do everything for us. You know, if Israel would have just stepped back a little bit and just thought, wow, we've been involved in this whole matter of the Exodus for only about 40 days, and look at all that God has done. Look what he's done through all the plagues. Look what he's done at the Passover. Look what he's done by opening the Red Sea. Actually, if Israel would have stepped back objectively and looked at the scene, they'd have said, just like David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But they took their eyes off of the Lord. So rather than trusting, they were lusting. So it's a matter of either you trust in the Lord or you lust after the flesh and after the worldly and Egyptian things. Can't you see Israel just leaning on their own understanding? So they're saying, why did you bring us to this place? We want the worldly food. But the Lord was training them because he didn't give them food right away. He was training them to realize that they needed a change in diet. Perhaps the main thought in this whole chapter is God's need was to change their diet so they could become heavenly people. But he needed to bring them to the point where they realized that the source of food would be him and not Egypt and not the world. So they needed to drop their lust and they needed to pick up their trust and begin to rest in this wonderful one who gives us all things freely that we might be those who fulfill his heart's desire. I'm still reminded, Chris, of one of our favorite verses, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things, even such as our practical daily needs, 
will be added unto us. Surely, we could conclude by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our need is to trust in him and not to be lusting after these other things. He will render the best care, and especially the care of feeding us with himself as the heavenly divine food to make us his people for his testimony. Shame on the enemy. We don't want that worldly food. We want the heavenly food. We want Christ as our manna so that we might express him on this earth. Well, Dick, I thought it was an encouraging note that Israel went through this dealing two times in the first year or two of their experience of the Exodus. But following that, Witness Lee pointed out, for 38 years, it never came up again. They finally got the training. Their diet was changed, and they learned they could really trust the Lord. And they became a different people, didn't they? Yeah, they still had some other problems, as we'll find out in the coming life studies. But in this one critical, critical area, the Lord got through with his people, Israel, and he surely needs to get through in the same way with us. Amen. Thanks, Dick. You're welcome, brother. Enjoyable fellowship again. Very enjoyable. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, That's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.